Sarah, uh, Pastor Sarah set us up really, really well during that uh, kids moment. The church has worshiped God as patriarch, God the warrior, God the judge, God the rock, God the bridegroom. And I am certainly not going to suggest that God uh, is not any of those things, but we need to widen our view to include the other ways in which God is made known to us. So as I go into this talk, I wanna anticipate two things. One is going to be a, yes, isn't that awesome that our pastor and our church can talk about like the feminine and motherly attributes of God. Yeah, I'm a part of that church. And this others of you are already have an allergy to what I'm about to say because you're like, oh, is this one of those churches they're gonna start like worshiping mother, the mother goddess and something, something feels wrong, something feels wrong. And of course, there's most of you, as I've learned in this church in the middle, who are like, eh. <laughs> so there's three ways, I guess. My hope is not to give some sort of novel understanding. My hope is to be faithful to the scriptures, obviously, as we always are, is our commitment to you. But more, in addition to that, stacked on that, there will be no grand invitation to go and... If you feel some sort of compelling sense of there's some people I need to be compassionate with, some people I need to mother and care for, A to the men, or well, A to the woman. <laughs> right? <laughs> that wasn't planned. That just came to me. <laughs> My hope is that today our posture, like we just sang, is be still and rest just to be still and to know more about the nature of who God is. That we would find ourselves caught up in some maybe dimensions of God we don't consider very often and that God in his grand just beauty and faithfulness would break into our gathering. That by the time this, like, this talk is done and we're gonna end with a really kind of special moment, but I hope it is that the spirit would move so mightily among us and we would just be open to just being ministered to by God and that rest and a deep abiding in who God is um, would manifest itself in some way. Exodus 34, verse six. If you have your Bibles, Exodus 34, verse six. This will, some of these passages will also be on the screen. Like this one. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God, we're told here, is compassionate. We are a part of a tradition of people uh, that see reality at its core, isn't just luck or chance, but is, is, is compassion. It's not random, it is compassion. God is compassionate. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse three, the same word is used. Have compassion, God has compassion on you and will gather you again. God is a God of compassion. We see the same word come up again. This is not just the English, right? Sometimes words are translated uh, the same in English, but have actually um, different uh, Hebrew words, different Greek words that are happening. This is the same consistent word, Lamentations 3, 30, 22 to 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We are part of a tradition, part of an understanding of the world, the way of Jesus, that God is not indifferent. 
God is compassionate. Spirituality is not indifferent. It's not just get connected with the flow or the force or the whatever. It's actually an intentionality. There's something that isn't just luck and circumstance. There's personality and and something specific about it. In this case, compassion, compassion. The Lord's compassion never failed. The word here is racham. Can you say racham? You got to get a little ha in the ham. Ha, racham. There's a couple other places this word occurs. Can I give you one of them? It's kind of a gruesome text, but this is one of the clearest places in Jeremiah 20. In the Hebrew language, right, one word can mean different things. Not as many letters, words are, are, are a little more flexible. And so the same word and how it would be probably written in our English literature would be R-H-M occurs in Jeremiah 20. And the passage goes like this, he did not kill me in the womb. It's a long backstory there I'm not going to get into. So that word room is actually the word raham. If you Hebrew and you stack these verses and you looked at them, words for womb, And the word for compassion look exactly the same. God is compassionate. The roots of this of God is womb-like. Which begs the question, what does compassion have to do with the womb? Which I'm sure I don't need to spend too much time elaborating on. This is the ultimate place of compassion. You are not doing a whole lot in the womb outside of what? Receiving. You are receiving. You are receiving. Is that great office episode where Dwight's recalling his favorite birthday? Anyone know this? And he's like, it was so amazing, right? It was just, it was very moist and damp. And then I just felt this pressure. And then there was a great light. Some of you are still getting this, but you'll get there. Human anatomy? You're just receiving. The womb is total compassion and care. You just receive. Mother's womb in the Hebrew imagination was a place of great compassion in the scriptures. There's actually a lot of feminine imagery that's used to describe God. God is womb-like. Michael Downey in his book, A Trinitarian Spirituality, says this. The Hebrew word... For a woman's womb and the word for compassion are related, and both are related to the word for mercy. Thus, the mother's intimate physical relationship with her, with her newborn is the prime image of compassion, and hence the compassion of God in Christ. To seek the compassion of God is to speak of God's quivering womb, a womb that trembles at the sight of the frailty, suffering, and weakness of the child. Interesting. I'm going to do a little survey here, so just stay with me. Let's explore this further. Genesis 17. There's this word that's used for God. I am the God Almighty, it says in Genesis 17. The phrase here is El Shaddai. Anyone, Amy Grant throwbacks on that one? Anyone, Christian culture kids, Amy Grant? El Shaddai. El Shaddai is this word that has this whole fascinating backstory I definitely don't have time to get into, but basically this word Shad is the word for breast. And that um, there's a story that Ray Vanderlyn is this famous Christian uh, who studied ancient Judaism. And he talks about um, 
looking at, he's looking at all the passages where El Shaddai is used, and they're all passages, like Genesis 17, 2, Genesis 49, 25, Genesis 17, 5. All the times El Shaddai is used is when you have the writer's talking about the God who will bless the nations and multiply you. They're like fertility verses, promises of blessing going forth. God will bless you with blessings from the sky above, blessings from the deep that lies below, and blessings from the breasts and the womb. He tells the story of Evangeline, and he's just recounting these passages. He's in Israel, and he's with a bunch of very, very new uh, would-be disciples who are learning um, about uh, Judaism, and they come across this word for the first time, and they all, El Shaddai, and they all start laughing, and he doesn't get it because he didn't know what was happening in the text, and they explain to him, it's like the, the God of breasts. It's interesting, there's this feminine imagery, even in some of these names of the God Almighty that exist. These images can be incredibly helpful to, for describing God, but Jesus, remember, says that God is obviously spirit, Spirit has no shape and spirit has no form, has no physical essence. God is in essence beyond male and female. Or you could say, I think more accurately, God transcends and yet includes what we know about male and female. God transcends this, but yet we're told here, if you look in Genesis 1:27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There's something, a glimpse of what God is like when we look not just at one sex, but at both. God created us in his image. I think it would suit us to take more time to reflect on that reality if you're a follower of Jesus, you have an understanding of the world. You're growing into an understanding that you reflect the divine, even in your brokenness. Whatever it is that makes God God, it is fully expressed when you see both man and woman. Which, a side note, if you don't have her leadership, if you don't have her wisdom, if you don't have her voice, if you don't have her perspective at the table, you're not just missing her, you're missing something central to the very core of who God is, right? And we're missing something if she's not at the table. God is above gender, who creates people who have gender, who reflect what God is like. Let's keep going, Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, there are these people who get distracted and they're lured away from their destiny. They're lured away by what seems kind of attractive in the moment. These first people have this call to be a blessing to the world and they get distracted. It's like the story of Israel, but it's the story of like everybody in this room, amen? There's a destiny and a vision and we get distracted and pulled off by lesser loves and they found themselves in exile. Things don't go how they're supposed to go, and God's inviting them back to their original purpose as he's speaking to them, but maybe he's also speaking to us this morning. This is the verse we're gonna come back to later. God, through the prophet Isaiah, says, I will extend peace to her. Talks about you will nurse, and then says, as a mother comforts her child, so I, God, will comfort you. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. He uses the image of a mother with her child. Before we just race past this, this is 
central image in one of the most quoted books of the entire scripture by Jesus in the New Testament. God comforting. This is, we want to know what I'm like. I don't know what I'm like. It was God's purpose. God's purpose that we would know a bit of what he is like when we look to the way in which mom comforts. These words, uh, one writer says, we have one of the tenderest pictures of the character of God. The Jews actually have this sweet saying to the effect of this and this, that God could not be everywhere, so he made mothers. I like that. That's not like a literal thing. Don't anyone quote me on that. I went to church today. I said, God's not everywhere. I see you. This is true for a loving mother is God's tenderest image in humanity. A mother who births and protects the people of Israel. We have more passages in Isaiah 46, three to four. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age. I am he, even when you turn gray, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. You have the writer, the same writer saying, in contrast to the idol worshipers who carry gods on cattle, God apparently carries Israel in his womb. God reiterating this divine promise to support and redeem. We see a maternal bond of compassion and a maternal power to protect. Again, this is what God is like. The writer in the Psalm, Psalm 131 My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child. I am content. Israel, Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. I have quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Even Jesus, Jesus is entering the city of uh, Jericho. He's looking for an image of how the people have broken his heart. He wants them to return to who they were created to be. Jesus, in scanning the horizon, the, the God of the universe made flesh and blood, uses this picture, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. In searching for imagery, he goes to a hen gathering her chicks up, but you were not willing. Can I read you my favorite one real quick? It has nothing to do with anything. God is mother bear. Hosea 13.8 is this image associated with like this profound attachment. Maybe it it relates. And a mother attached to her cubs. This is God's rage against those who withhold gratitude. These people are withholding the gratefulness and care and worship of God. And this is the verse. um, uh, God's rage uh, against those was, uh, where is it? Oh my gosh, I don't have the verse. I didn't write it down. It's so good. Look it up. Hosea 13.8. It's essentially like mother bear, like a mother bear who is robbed of her, of her cubs, so I will basically like come after you. Like that's the verse. I love that. So, so, so we see in all these imagery, all these images, God is trying to explain to us what he's like, what God is like. God says, you see me in this, you see me in this, you see me in a mother and a child, you get a glimpse. A God who is beyond, 
And so some women, right, are mothers, some aren't, some run companies, some stay home, some live out very traditional roles, others break all sorts of new ground. And it's all a reflection of the creativity and diversity and variety of the God who's bigger than our language. But today, there's something specifically about motherhood that helps us understand the very character of God. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. When Isaiah is speaking to his people who are wondering if they even have a future, and they are disillusioned, they are filled with despair, they don't have any hope. And this is the image that he used. It's like, have you ever seen a mother comfort a child? This is what God is like. This is what God is going to do for you. Like all images, they're troublesome. The amount of times that we talk about God as father and I get folks up the front who are going, ah, I can't relate to this God. And every time I have to sing something about God as father, all I see is him hitting me. These are actual quotes. Yeah, I have a bit of a troubled relationship on this side of eternity with dad language. And so I recognize that the same thing can happen on the other side. But when we see this imagery, right, we go to what is the, the intent, the creational intent of what a father and a mother is meant to be. And if we're to take anything from Scripture, and if you have any imagery in your mind that is flattering and positive and good of mom, there's something there that helps you understand the nature of God. That time, I was thinking of when my, my youngest, Rowan, is, she has a, a sound that she makes. It's, it's beautiful. It's like, it's like this just tender sound. I liken it to a raptor. If I had more coffee, I would do an impression of it. I'll spare you, your ears. It's just a, oh, you could have just said more. I'd take a cry. You, you, you need some more eggs. Okay. You want to get down. Oh, okay. There's like no time between I want to get down and like, hey, there's no, there's no, it's just raptor. It's like shriek and it's so loud. Like loud, like somehow your eye is bleeding loud. Your eye. The amount of times where my impulse is to grab pacifier and shove into mouth. Like plug, where's the plug, where's the plug? And I will just see my wife lift her up, bounce her, lose her own hearing for a good three, four minutes. Coming home, uh, uh, watching my, my mother-in-law hold her and she kind of sings into her head. Anyone else do this? Moms or dads do this? Like just sort of humming and they can like feel the vibration, I'm sure, in their head. Just dancing around the room quietly because she wasn't going to sleep. I know a dad can do that too. 
There's something about mom. Something about mom. I, I was reflecting about, you know, folks that maybe have a really painful relationship with mom. And I was thinking about, I, I've met I, a good buddy of mine who was completely abandoned by his mother at birth. Like just no relationship. He has so much animosity and pain. And yet even he will go, you know what though? She did bring me into the world. I say that with a little wink in that even for many of us who have the most troubled relationship with our parent, we have this sort of deep indebtedness to Ma. There's something about knowing that there was someone who sacrificed so much physically, even if they never did emotionally, bring you into this world. Apparently, this is a little bit of what God is like. I don't know how far we can go with these metaphors and analogies, but I do know that Jesus and Isaiah and in the very like creation poem we hold that helps us make sense of who we are, this imagery comes up again and again. Do you want to know a little bit of what God is like? Is this what God is like? When you see a mother, right? When you see a mother doing her mother thing, when a mother's heart breaks for her children, she is tapping into the very nature of who God is and what God is like. And that is a gift. And that is grace. So knowing true beauty and truth and love, we know is the highest pursuit. It's why we rally. It's why we come together. It's why we meet in our home groups. It's why we get together. We were, we're, we're wrestling with what true beauty and true truth and true love really is, what God is like. And so one way to think of God's nature and posture towards us is to consider this God of compassion, Raham, this womb-like God, the God who protects, creates, nourishes. I invite the band up just as we close together. Mercy and compassion of God in which we live and move and have our being sends us into something more. Sends us into something beyond. And so what I want to do is uh, I'm going to welcome up um, some in our community, uh, a new friend, Allison Woodard. And uh, she's written something that I think it's gonna help lead us into a space today as we close. A space where we might find ourselves again just resting in the beauty and truth and reality of who God is. I have no grand invitation for you to go and do, but just to come and rest and to allow whatever's happening in your heart. Or maybe you're like, I'm doing great. Maybe it's those around you who are in need of a compassionate extension of God through you. God would minister to us. So I wanna give the mic to Allison and have her lead us into a time of stillness and rest and reflection. To be a mother is to suffer, to travail in the dark, stretched and torn,
exposed in half-naked humiliation, subjected to indignities for the sake of new life. To be a mother is to say, this is my body broken for you. And in the next instant, in response to the created's primal hunger, this is my body, take and eat. To be a mother is to self-empty, to neither slumber nor sleep, so attuned you are to cries in the night, offering the comfort of yourself and assurances of I'm here. To be a mother is to weep over the fighting and exclusions and wounds your children inflict on one another, to long for reconciliation and brotherly love, and when all is said and done, to gather all parties, the offender and offended, into the folds of your embrace, and to whisper in their ears that they are beloved. To be a mother is to be vulnerable, to be misunderstood, railed against, blamed, for the heartaches of the bewildered children who don't know where else to cast the angst they feel over their own existence in this perplexing universe. To be a mother is to hoist onto your hips those on whom your image is imprinted, bearing the burden of their weight, rejoicing in their returned affection, delighting in their wonder, bleeding in the presence of their pain. To be a mother is to be accused of sentimentality one moment and injustice the next. To be the receiver of endless demands, absorber of perpetual complaints, reckoner of bottomless needs, to be a mother is to be an artist, a keeper of memories past, weaver of stories untold, visionary of lives looming ahead. To be a mother is to be the first voice listened to and the first disregarded, to be a mender of broken creations and the comforter of the distraught children whose hands wrought them. To be a mother is to be a touchstone in the source, bestower of names, Influencer of identities, life giver, life shaper, empath, healer, and original love. Jesus, what a savior. What a healer, what a friend, lifter of the lowly, and God you lead me where I am, your heart knows no borders, no no walls You're constantly Moving towards me With open arms Never known a love like yours Never known a love like yours Never known a love like yours Never known a 
himself open and poured himself out in the person of Jesus. So this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. This act of self-giving love. This act of forgiveness. This compassion upon us broken people, sinners. Every week we come together to celebrate. This is the, the apex of our time together before we go out into the world to be the church we take the bread and the cup. This is our sustenance, our fuel, our energy, our center, our groundedness, our grounding, our foundation, our roots. Is Christ's body broken and blood poured out? And so we eat of the bread and the cup as a great reminder of, of God's self-giving love for us. So I, I want to welcome the servers to come up. I want to pray as we continue just to, to worship together, to be still together just before we close, as we sing of his great love and as we eat of his great love. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, let's encourage you to continue just to sit and rest and to abide in these truths that we've explored this morning. And if you're here and you're, you're new to the, the way of Jesus, maybe this is a moment you um, as you sit this is a moment for you um, to maybe open for the first time or to consider for the first time that this this is in part what our God is like and so I pray for all of us in this moment those that are in need of comfort and those that are feeling conviction to go into comfort those who are feeling great compassion from God and those that are feeling impulse to go and to move and to be compassionate in the world around them. Pray in this moment, Lord, that your spirit would fall on us. God, that you would break chains of loneliness. You would break the chains of despair. You would break the chains of just of sadness and hurt and loss that some of us may be feeling this morning. God, I think you would expand our vision, Lord, of who you are and all of its depths and heights and widths. sense that there are some folks who need to come for prayer today like don't let this moment pass I know it's Mother's Day and we got to run to brunch but like don't let this moment pass some of you just come and be there's some folks over here 
where I'm pointing, who'd love to just pray for you, to speak a blessing. Maybe you just need to receive like a mother, a mother's blessing today from folks. I just want to encourage you as you come up to take communion. You can even just bypass the line if you want and just head over. Let's take a few more minutes together before we close just to worship. So, Lord Jesus, as we take the bread and the cup, or may we uh, know and experience in some very tangible way, some visceral way, I ask, Lord, God, your, uh, your great forgiveness and love for us as we are reminded that you, Lord, so loved us that you laid down your life for us. And that whoever, Lord, would believe in you and believe this and believe this about, Lord, who we are, would not perish but have everlasting life. In Jesus' name, we eat and we drink.